0: Hello, and welcome to the Six Figure Developer Podcast. A podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, Professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more.
1: I'm John Calloway.
2: I'm Clayton Hunt, and I'm John Ash.
1: With us today is Jeremy Sinclair. Jeremy is an enthusiastic developer with over ten years of development experience. He's also part of the Windows Insiders community and a Windows Insider MVP. Welcome, Jeremy.
3: Hello, great to be here.
2: Yeah, great to have you. Uh, so, before we kind of jump into sort of more of the meat of the of the podcast. Would you kind of give our listeners maybe a little bit of an introduction to yourself? You could, you know, tell them basically how you got started in the industry.
3: So everyone, I'm Jeremy Sinclair. Um, right now, I'm an enterprise.net developer out of Wheeling, West Virginia. Uh, I've been, you know, playing around with computers since I was about five years old. So I'm, I'm talking back in the Windows 3.1 days.
2: <laughs> nice.
3: Yeah. And uh actually, my first experience with development was around fourth or fifth grade. I discovered JavaScript, mm. just uh going to a few websites and seeing dialogue boxes and input boxes and seeing how I could interact with that in in the back of my mind, I just wanted to be able to recreate that for my own self um a, a lot of my interaction uh with troubleshooting you know, breaking windows and you know reformatting there's <laughs> a lot a lot, lot of trial and error and uh a thirst to learn just mm. watching you know so much stuff out there on the internet all these cool websites like i i want to create my own stuff when i um where i'm at now i actually started out as a intern for uh, essentially sysadmin so it was a really interesting uh transition i got to learn a lot about uh scripting so I learned PowerShell first as my uh, introduct- uh, introduction to .NET. I love PowerShell. <laughs> I know I know many people get get hung up on it because you know it's <laughs> there, there's some things that uh, are a little complicated that shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> but I think overall, I've you know gotten the hang of it, and when I learned C Sharp, that's like PowerShell helped out with that.
1: Yeah, I, I grew up on normal old command line, so with a you know like a simple batch script, and I did do a little bit of Windows Script Host, uh, but when PowerShell came out, I was like, I don't understand anything. Why won't my script run? <laughs> it, was, it was not a good introductory experience. I never, I never came back around and got into it.
3: For me, I played around with you know, Linux and OS X, so it was cool being able to at least assume I could reuse uh, bits and pieces of like bash commands and just be able to recreate that on PowerShell and the all kinds of cool
2: stuff. So what are you doing these days?
3: Um, Primarily I am working on, uh, well, I'm a SharePoint developer. Mm -hmm. So many of the SharePoint developers already know my pain. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm also an um, ASP.NET Core developer. So just a, a lot of internal stuff um, for a company I work at. A lot of random, random things I'd like to get my hands on. I like to discover libraries and just see what I can do with it.
0: And in your bio, you mentioned that you're you're a big part of the Windows Insider community and a a Windows Insider MVP. Why don't you take a few minutes and and just tell our listeners what what that is and what that entails?
3: Absolutely. So the Windows Insider community, uh, basically with Windows 10, actually when Windows 10 was in preview, like way back in, I think, 2014, 2015, we all got a chance to test out what was going to be the full Windows 10. So uh, everyone involved, um, especially a lot of people from the Windows phone, Windows mobile community, that's my original belonging, RIP Windows phone. Yeah, (laughs) moment um, of silence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, when I first received the email um, that they were doing this thing, I immediately signed up for it because we were given the opportunity to help bridge windows like here's our migration from windows 8 to windows 10 here's a new os that you can be a part of so i uh, from the get go i immediately was down for it so what i've been doing the entire time every single device i have has been in the windows 10 preview since day 1 and there's um, many you know, there's there's levels to the preview. You have um, you have the dev, the I think it's the beta ring, and you have an, another ring which is the release preview. So the the release previews are the ones that are you know just about to come out the stable. So the next big update that gets released to everyone, that's you know the the more stable branch. You get the beta branch, which is um a little a little less stable, but still usable. Now the dev branch, that's here it is every week, every Wednesday, you get a new build. It may or may not work properly. <laughs> for the most part, everything's been stable, but you're there, you know, there's gonna be bugs. Mm-hmm. And for for me, uh I have this weird ability to find bugs or things just happen on my devices that <laughs> doesn't really happen to everyone else's. <laughs> We've seen how Windows has grown. We've seen you know, Windows ME. We've all experienced all of the iterations. But the fact that the team has reached out and said, hey, we need your help testing this stuff there's only so much that you know they and their testers can test because there's so many different you know system configurations like, i would never even imagine how one piece of software with you know some other piece of hardware can completely make windows completely un- unstable and it's and it's always like something really really weird that you never expect But those are the the type of things that, you know, they ask for us to follow feedback. And what I do personally is while I'm on uh, Twitter, I tell everyone, follow the feedback. If you have an issue with any piece of Windows, you know, something updated, something doesn't work right after an update, or even the installation didn't go right, file the feedback because they look at that. It's, it. it's like a necessary, you know, sometimes I, I can see people getting annoyed with having to, you know, write this detailed information, but it's been really helpful because the more people take that little bit of time to you know, add the feedback in, it takes diagnostics from your computer and ties it to your description. So that helps the engineers for, um, that are in charge of that uh, piece of windows or that application, they can get that feedback. They can bring it back and analyze it. And oh, we have a fix for it. We fixed this in this next build. That's some of the most exciting things uh, to see, that something that you filed or filed with someone else, it got fixed because you put that time into it.
0: Do you run these earlier, early versions or early ring versions of Windows on your your daily driver? Oh yeah, this this is (laughs) on your primary work machine. No fear, you are very much (laughs) living (laughs) dangerously.
3: Well, and and I do it uh, because I know there's uh, our deployment team at work. uh, Some of them they test out these individual builds, and as I said, I have this ability to run into something and if i troubleshoot it and i find a fix for it i can warn them in advance like be on the lookout for this this is what's going to change in this build so if you have this script or this application isn't you know compatible with this you need to update this i'm helping everyone out so it's like i've i kind of you know sacrificed the stability of my machine just for some Weird excitement with troubleshooting.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you've, you've probably already written the PowerShell script to auto-save no matter what application is open and auto-commit and push all <laughs> your code anyway, right?
3: That, uh, that's, that's a good idea. I haven't done that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Talk Python Training. The Six Figure Developer Podcast is all about leveling up your career in the tech space. Learning a little bit of Python will allow you to take your expertise and 10-exit with automation, APIs, and even AI. The best place on the internet to learn Python is over at TalkPython Training. Visit talkpython.fm slash sixfigure to find your next level. That's talkpython.fm slash sixfigure. And you, you've also been tweeting out a, a fair, fair amount about running .NET on ARM. Oh, yeah. So what has that experience been like?
3: But well, the experience um, initially, so I'm going to go back to 2018. That's at build. I happened to win, it was an Asus Novago. That was the first, um, I guess, one of the first Windows on ARM laptops that were released at that time. And immediately after getting it, the first thing is anyone does who is a dev to some new device. You Try to put Visual Studio on it <laughs> needless to say yeah it it works because it's x86, which um, to do a little sidetrack on the that, uh, the Windows and arm devices have x86 emulation, so anything that's you know compiled for thirty you two know, bit x86 windows, you can run those apps on the devices, which for the most part. They're OK, until you know you start getting all these processes going, and then it kind of ruins the experience a little bit. Uh, but uh, one of the first things I did after that was install the Windows subsystem for Linux, because I knew they had a um, .NET Core build for that. So I think at that time, it was .NET Core 2.1. and it was really cool just to simply run a simple .net app run you know asp.net core stuff from this arm device that had like no fans in it and i had a battery life that could last like, 17 18 hours of usage so just just seeing that amount of optimization that really got me into um, the excitement of, I wanted to see if I can run this, uh, compile this, and run this natively on you know the Windows side of the ARM. So that's what I, I went from there. Just try to get the the best out of this device because it's and it, it's still a little newer, even though it, it's been a few years. It's still newer in terms of support. So if I'm going to have a device, I'm going to try to get the most out of it. So you're saying
0: if I unplug the fans out of my laptop, then I'll get insane <laughs> amounts of battery life? Because I, I think Clayton tried something similar, and, and I don't think it, it's gone very well.
3: Yeah, it'll probably melt. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, these, um like the S- Samsung phones, like your, your Android phones, your Windows phones, those are running... Just about the same type of uh, SOC that are running in these Windows on ARM laptops. So you you have that efficiency that your phone has with battery life and performance, just in a different form factor and running Windows. Like heck, a few of my my wild friends put the Windows on ARM on, made it run on a Lumia 950 and 950 XL. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah re- re- really surprising but that just shows like how efficient it is
2: how has windows on arm uh improved uh, from 2008 uh 2018 you said uh to, yep. to now
3: well um at first there there were some bugs
2: <laughs> definitely <laughs> some bugs
3: because there were only um what two to three machines out I think uh, when the Surface Pro X came out last year, I immediately had to hop on that. A lot of the things I filed in Feedback Hub, since I like to run preview builds on everything that I own, (laughs) I actually believe that I've been able to help out in resolving a lot of these bugs that could actually be potential blockers for other devices with these uh, chips in them. Uh, my stability has gone up. Uh, it's been so much faster running things. It's just so cool to see you know, Microsoft putting in a lot of effort to support ARM64. Because there there was a time, I'd say early 2019, where it's just like, okay, um, I have this Windows on ARM device. There's like one or two apps out here that natively support it and everything else is you know, emulated right, where y'all at? I' <laughs> <But> seen <laughs> edge on there edge runs edge actually Firefox was the first you know thing outside of the edge legacy that I was able to run natively on my devices when I saw the performance in that i I was sold I was sold right there, and then I compiled chromium and got it running on there. <laughs> <laughs> like it's stuff like that. That's, that's what actually drives me. When when things don't work, I will waste so much time just to make it, just to see if I can make it work. Even if I have alternatives, if I have a MacBook Pro that's we're on right now and a few other devices, even if I can move to those devices and achieve that, if I started out my plan was okay i'm going to do this and there's a roadblock like we're going to try to get past this roadblock because i want this consistent experience across the board
0: have there been any roadblocks or are there things to take into consideration when writing applications for arm in in .net in .net core and we are recording this on november 9th so the the eve to the .net 5 release uh, are there things that we can look forward to in that release that, that you're aware of?
3: Yes. Um, so uh, .NET 5 is the actual first fully supported um, I guess .NET build that runs on Windows ARM 64. So they, uh, I, I did uh, last year manage to compile .NET Core 3, 3.1 to run on it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's definitely not supported. But for this, we have you know, full support. The .NET team and all the contributors—they're putting in heavy work, and they have been over the past year to really ramp up on the Windows um Windows Arm sixty-four support for this. I'd say the only thing that we're not going to see for that yet is. I believe we're. Well, I know we're not going to see WPF immediately because there have been some um, when they brought WPF over, imported it from .NET Framework and the .NET Core. They just kind of went, up oh, here you go," but they didn't get all all the test testing um, suite and all of that ported over really. So there's still a lot of work before that's out. I do know in the Previews, we had um, Windows Form Support. form Support was, like, it was really awesome because I took a few uh, .NET Framework-based WinForm apps, copy-pasted them into a, a new solution, uh, you know, changed the project file around and uh, using the same instructions for porting a .NET Framework to .NET Core form running that on my Pro X and just seeing it work, I was just like, ah, this is, this is fantastic. So uh, I I do know that, you know, there's going to be a few things missing at first for the, um, windows on arm, but we're going to see it come, come in later on.
1: For the most part, is it going to be similar to the other, I mean, like is it an official compile target can you go to the drop down and x64 x86 arm
3: yeah yeah that's actually that's actually supported um funny enough uh we there is support for compiling um the uwp apps for arm 64 that's that's been supported the i guess a lot of the trouble is there's no emulator so you actually have to have an arm64 device to even be able to test that it works or not
1: pray and deploy
3: <laughs> well, and, and, and i've been telling the developers because it's 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 been one of my pet peeves every time i see, you know, oh this this new app comes out i go to downloaded x64 you know because a lot of people are getting rid of for x86 because it's like okay we have x64 we have you know um more memory address space and et cetera performance so why even care about x86? So then I get mad because we get left out. So anyone who develops these apps and needs testing, I just reach out like, hey, I will gladly test it. Because you know naturally there are things that will always blow up if you know you don't have the proper testing, which we have seen. <laughs> But that's that's kind of one of the, the only things that, well, one of the few things I'd say that you would have to watch out for when you're developing for Windows and ARM, make sure you have a device. And I, I think, you know, the Surface Pro X, that's one of my favorite devices. They just came out with a uh, an updated version of the Pro X with a newer processor in it. So the price has gone down on the, the regular Pro X.
2: So, do you think this uh, category of uh, sort of Windows on ARM is sort of the thing that can compete against like the the Chromebooks and start cutting into like sort of the everyday user laptop machines, or do you think that they're going to be sort of a whole new experience altogether?
3: Well, I, I see them as that competitor because they're you know the efficient powered device that. You can, uh, they're, they're always on PCs. So you can shut it, open it, you're in. You don't have to worry about um, looking for like a, a supercomputer because they're definitely not that. They're meant for doing heavy internet-based things in a browser. So that's kind of the, the primary use, but
2: mm-hmm. you
3: can do more. So it is it's kind of you know being that competitor to it with the more developer experience, with more developers doing more stuff, as Windows itself continues to evolve, I, I think we'll see this eventually become something that can be you know, a full, complete dev experience. Now, I try to make it that experience because I can do just about everything on it because you know, VS Code, I can run that. They have, it's compiled for um, ARM64 natively. Runs perfectly, so I, I can do dev from it, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not a dev first machine right now.
0: I wonder if we're going to see more of that or more options available because I know that Apple is is deciding that Intel is no longer for them, so they're going to be bringing in their own chipset. Uh, are there other chipsets? Are there other options out there available that are going to be explored? Uh, that are being explored.
3: I mean, I believe so. There's still like the, the RISC processors. I know Linux been has been on top of it for years. They have they've been pri- uh, you'll see a Linux distro for just about everything. Like some processors that I've, architectures I've never even heard of. That's that's one thing I really find like amazing. Because if you think about Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi three and four, those are ARM sixty four. Ubuntu, Gentoo, Debian, you have those having ARM64 distros available. You can just throw on them. So it's 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 gonna be really interesting to see if where Windows decides to to go, you know, seeing seeing the, the popularity. So I, I think honestly, with so many people using these Raspberry Pis and you, you see that the popularity. You have um what is it the Pinebook? You have all of these, you know, these Linux-based devices that you've, you've seen they've seen the promise of how efficient these um this architecture is. They're running, you know, I could run Docker and Kubernetes clusters off of like my Raspberry Pis and and Windows Subsystem for Linux, well, WSL2 on my Pro X. I can run Docker on it. I can do like all of that. So if that's possible, I think there's a great possibility for you know Microsoft to really up the stakes with this and say, you know, let's let's go all in, let's get everyone, you know, using this. Let's you know, see what we can do, let's see what these developers can do to you know change this landscape.
0: Yeah, I've I've got a cluster of I think six Raspberry Pi three B plus or whatever the designation for those is, uh, that I realize I haven't, I haven't powered those on in probably about a year. So it, it might be time to dust those off and, and see what's possible. See what's, what they're capable of doing again.
3: Yeah. Cause I, I know recently Ubuntu is, has an arm 64 image for it that you can put on um, devices I don't know if it's for three or not, but I know at least it's for four.
0: I also know that you're quite involved with the .NET Foundation. Do you want to take just a few minutes and and share what it is you you do with the .NET Foundation and and maybe how others can get involved? Yeah, so the
3: .NET Foundation, just a few years ago, happened to see so much things on the internet. I actually think it might have been the .NET Conf I Really started to do what I typically do every year and tweet spam and show everyone all the cool stuff that I keep finding. But for some of the me being a developer and me loving .NET and wanting to see it grow, I decided let's try to apply for this. And I got in and I was just so overjoyed that, uh, you know, just to see how we have all of these uh, outreach groups. All all these groups that anyone can get involved with, just to you know get experience from saying, "Hey, we're this is this open source uh, community that wants to grow .NET, wants to get everyone involved. All the library um, authors, how can we get more people involved with .NET and make it keep it keep it running?" I I started out with. like the outreach group, I've been uh, involved with the project group. It's just really cool because I'm learning so much and being exposed to a lot of people in the .NET community. That you know, I I see their names, but having that interaction with them, talking to so many you know, different cool people, I just get I get excited because you know .NET's my my thing. That's that's what. That's what got me my my job. It <laughs> <That's laughs> kind of keeps me going. But you know, um, I remember the when things were still closed source, didn't really have much guidance unless you wanted to drop like 15, 20 grand to have someone show you things. But now you have this community that you know they write code and they want people to contribute. Because they understand that you can't do it all by yourself. At times, if you you, know, you have this this awesome thing you want to see it grow, you realize the power of community.
2: So, speaking of people bringing people on board, for the people that have been listening, are are there any resources that you might like call out for folks who maybe want to get involved in the Winter window, window Insider Program or folks that want to jump? you know, on writing apps for ARM, or maybe even get involved in the .NET Foundation.
3: Yeah, definitely. So um, for Windows Insiders, on Twitter, there's the Windows Insider account, literally just Windows Insider. You can go on, I think it's insider.windows.com. Basically, if you can just search for Windows Insiders and you'll find a link there, but it walks you through, you know, how you can join the program and basically what to expect how to you know, test your devices, how to follow the feedback, and you'll be able to at least see a lot of others from the Windows Insider community, interact with them, and just learn more about how, they, how, how things work. For the uh, .NET Foundation, it's um, dotnetfoundation.org. Everything's there, main page, Hit that up, shows you how to join, shows, you know, just the perks of joining. You can see all the projects that are available underneath the .NET Foundation, which .NET happens to be one of those projects. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, everything I do, how I've discovered just about everything has been Twitter. That's my main, that's my main source of information.
1: Uh, what has been helpful in your career that you might share with those just getting started or those looking to level up their careers?
3: uh what's really helped me is you know, branching out to different developers really I say social media, so just about everything I've found in terms of resources started there when I got my you know exposure to everything i, you know, I felt it was really important to. You know, try to see what everyone else is doing because I obviously just picked things up and ran with it but having the you know the proper guidance or even you know okay, uh, different styles of doing development you know time management and project management you know, finding all those different avenues like that's important and also um I think contributing to open source is very important because there's you learn so much. It, it's, it's it's scary at times. Because even for me uh, personally, if I find I, I find this uh bug and maybe I fix the source of something, but just you know afraid to check it in or like oh they're going to to grill me during the PR process. Maybe you got to get past that. Contributes read through, see what everyone else has, who, who has contributed, see how they've done stuff, take time, read through the docs, pull down the source and, and getting understanding because you, you learn so much. That's, that's what I do. I'm, I'm hands on, you know, um, I learn by just reading code for the most part. I, I debug, I step through. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm one of them. I step through <laughs> and <laughs> like, okay, this is how this works. But, just asking questions. Don't don't be afraid to ask questions. However, stupid as you think it may be, ask the question because someone's going to have an answer. Don't don't hold back. Go for it.
2: Cool. Yeah. So uh, speaking of like sort of reaching out uh, and and you know broadening the folks you might be listening to. Where can our listeners go to find and follow up on you? Maybe reach out to you and keep up with what you're working on.
3: Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter as I. <laughs> Like the reference, um, <laughs> my Twitter handle is uh, Sinclairinator. If you follow me, you'll be entertained. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today.
3: Uh, thank you for having me on here.
0: That was Jeremy Sinclair. Jeremy is an enthusiastic developer with over 10 years of development experience. He's also part of the Windows Insiders community and a Windows Insider
1: MVP. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com.
2: And catch us live each week on Twitch. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Six Figure Dev.
0: This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential.
1: I am John Callaway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash.